This series of lunchtime conversations intends to capture insights from some of society's thought leaders, given the unprecedented times we are living in. The 3rd of June and the headlines today reflect a troubled world. Um, the winners from yesteryear seemingly clinging to what made them great. I hope that we can use this hiatus caused by the pandemic to, to create a new way. Part of my role at Warwick University is to make sure our programmes remain relevant and continue to serve the needs of society. To do this, it's important to be part of the research and industry community. The people I'm speaking to in this series form my professional network and I rely on them to inform and help steer our educational offerings. We've seen seismic shifts in all areas of life. The extraordinarily pervasive nature of COVID-19 will have lasting effects. To discuss this, my lunchtime guests today are Helen Rutledge, the Chief Exec from Totem Learning Limited, and Claire Green, who's the Creative and Digital Communities Manager here at the University of Warwick. Um, so, uh, welcome to lunch. Good afternoon. Yeah, wonderful to be here. Um, Helen, can I ask you a bit about Totem Learning? Um, can you tell me what its mission is, you know, sort of main clients and the sort of services and products that you might deliver or, or be part of with organisations? Yes, of course. Yeah. So we're um, a digital learning company based in Coventry um, and we focus on serious games and augmented reality, virtual reality and, and really bringing learning to life. And, and our mission is to make learning as, as enjoyable and as sticky as possible and, and help people um, with their everyday challenges at work. Um, so we work in three main sectors. So we work uh, with, with corporates. So our clients in, in that space might be organisations like Shell or Deloitte, PwC, so, so big, big organisations. Um, we work in rail. So looking at how we can do things like augmented um, maintenance mm. um, with augmented reality. What was um, augmented maintenance? Pardon for interrupting. But yeah, what's so that's, uh, that's so augmented reality is, is all about bringing data to you at your point of need. Mm. Um, so if you think, um, so at home, for example, you might be fixing something and you go to YouTube to find out what that is, or you look at a manual and find out. Um, now what we can do with augmented reality is, is take that information and you can hold up your phone and you can see a picture of it on your screen. Um, we can apply more information to it. So it says, turn this screw with this screwdriver and um, walk you through step by step. Um, so you can do that at home maintenance or you can scale that right up for big engineering um, projects. Mm. Because it's essentially a digital manual. Yeah, I, I, I don't want to go off at a tangent at the beginning, but that is fascinating. So you must have to learn a lot about the actual engineering requirements in the first place. You, you know, you must have to learn that to be able to create the augmented reality maintenance to support it. Yes, well, we work really closely with the subject matter experts, regardless of, of which uh, which industry we're working in. Um, and luckily, the you know um, engineering projects typically have great models and processes anyway. Um, mm. So we don't have to become experts in, in the actual process because a lot of that material is already there. Um, but in order to make sure it feels um, very realistic and lifelike, we do need to have a really good understanding. So when we we created a welding project a few years ago. So when we were doing that welding project, we actually sent the programmers to learn how to weld and, and the artists so mm. that they could really create something that was really realistic. Ah, oh, golly. 
Yeah. This is fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> yes. uh, yeah. so, sorry, so I interrupted. So there was corporate and there was the kind of rail. And then the third one? third one is healthcare. So we're doing a lot of work at the moment with the NHS, um, looking at, you know, with the world we're living in at the moment, there is a real need to move um, into the digital space. So looking at how we can use digital to, to help um, patients and staff and, and the whole system work more smoothly. Mm. Yep. Okay. And thank you. Um. So busy, a busy, uh, a busy, nice multi-sector approach, which lovely. Yeah. And um. So um. Claire, how do you know Claire? And and Claire, how did you meet Helen? What's the what's the relationship there? Ah. So I, I'd been following Helen, I think, for a while on LinkedIn. Um. Because I'm only only relatively new to to the area to Coventry and Warwickshire. Moved about uh, two years ago. So I kind of started following uh, lots of different people in in the area, but it was really when I became a women in games ambassador. So um, I'm kind of a, a local representation of of the women in games uh, kind of movement here um, in in Leven Leamington, and um, Helen was one of our first speakers. So and that's when we got to meet in real life. So, yeah, hugely inspiring kind of talk around um, more of the kind of personal um, sort of journey that that Helen had got to get to CEO at Totem, which was really inspiring. Um, and then more recently, I know that you're part of the, the scale up program um, and we've been helping to support that um through the initiative that that I'm running so so what, yes there's what's that what's the initiative that you're running so the the initiative is a creative and digital communities initiative so Warwick have have realized that um we are actually part of uh one of the largest kind of creative clusters outside of London mm. and um have kind of then dedicated uh time and resource and effort to connect with that community um more meaningfully. So I I was kind of brought in alongside um a director, Vicky Jep Jepson, and uh she and I are kind of from from the creative industries backgrounds ourselves. So so my background, I, I used to run kind of a massive games festival, um, hackathons and ran a creative industries network outside of a university in Cambridge. Mm. Yeah. Dynamic. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so, uh, and so Helen, you know, the um, that's also dynamic and exciting and creative and forward looking and thinking. And then the pandemic happens. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. And I, how did that impact upon appetite for this about um, the way that you think your current business and your future business might respond? Mm. Yeah. Uh, for us, it was very sector specific. So mm. we do serve uh, the airline industry, hospitality, um, and and the oil and gas industry and, and understandably those industries were struggling and still are struggling probably the most um so we did see declines in, in those areas but at the same time what we saw is is now i suppose a, more of a driving force behind the need to go digital mm -hmm. so that there was i think you know there's obviously the fans but then there's a lot of people who are resisting digital and they really like that face-to-face -face and, and a lot of training has to be done face-to-face -face, which has a lot of cost associated to it 
Um, and so we, we've seen a big I suppose, movement or a shift from companies who now can't do any of that training um, and then they can't train their staff because they were reliant on on face to face and now move um, into the digital space. And so we've done a lot of work helping organisations transition. So understanding, you know, what some of some of these organisations haven't done e-learning before. So, you know, what is e-learning? How do you use it? Uh, how do you avoid um, death by PowerPoint? <laughs> yeah. That's the worst you could do at this point in time is just move everything online and just leave people to it. You know, you, there's a real need to keep engagement up. Mm. We're all isolated at home, so we we can't forget that human interaction is so essential. Mm. Um, so, so yes, we've done a lot of a lot of kind of consultation, helping people that way. Mm. Um, but also, we've been very flexible in terms of how our business has responded in terms of our commercial model. So we understand the finances are really tight out there. You know, business has slowed down for everybody across the board. And so we've been, you know, flexible with our commercial terms, looking at longer term partnerships and um, and really just thinking about how we can create those win wins still in the challenging times we're in. Yeah, because I mean, I notice I notice I mean, at the university, it's we've got a structure. We have a whole infrastructure there to support the delivery of of learning experiences. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that, that commercial challenge, the financial challenge, um, you know, create, enabling and supporting learning hasn't changed. You know, that's that's what we're about. Um, but maybe the way that we're going to do it, mm -hmm. the way that we're going to offer it, the way we're going to engage is is going to go a radical shift. Mm -hmm. now, you know, I know it's it's difficult because if your your organisational infrastructure is established for costing and pricing and understanding quality and engagement based on a classroom-based fixed yeah. wall model yeah. of contact hours. Yeah. It, it, it's it's very challenging to have them full upheaval and to say, well, actually, the learning is going to be the same, yes. the outcomes, yes. or maybe yes. better. Yes. But the way that we cost commercially make it viable, because maybe it we notice going online it's not a case of just taking what you do and just putting it out there it requires significant investment and development to make it good and um, how do you you know how how we should go about costing and, and and understanding the how that commercial structure that can can be better support the development that needs to be done it's it's really really challenging so i guess from your position you know you have got more direct insights into maybe into industries industry directly to see how you can be flexible and adaptable is that how do you how do you i'm asking you know trying to find out how do you span that how do you navigate that space yeah yeah well it, it is interesting and it, we we try to be as flexible as we possibly can um so typically with each engagement it, it's slightly different um but it's yeah it, it's a mind shift rather than um time in a seat FaceTime um it's it's more driven by outcomes um so you know we're, we're quite lucky that a lot of our work and the approach of our work hasn't changed because we've been we've been looking at things like uh creating systems that you can replay and that people want to keep coming back to anyway so yes. we for years we've been having conversation about e-learning is priced on a per screen basis and a per hour 
module. Yes. So if you said create an hour of e-learning module, then there's a price to it and you've got different levels and it's very fixed and it's very easy to understand. Mm. Whereas in a, a serious game or an interactive piece of learning, you don't have those same guidelines or restrictions yeah. search. Mm. So it, it's more about let's let's take those restrictions away and allow people to access that information as much or as little as they need to to achieve what they where they need to go um and Is so there also a trial and error um element to it that people could could try and fail and come back to it so because I think that's interesting when you're on a training course you might not get everything immediately but you need it to sink in you need to reflect on it um yeah yeah I'm a big believer in breaking content up um you know rather than sitting for maybe two or three hours and listening to to someone talk um it's it's more um let's break it down into the foundation principles let's get those let's maybe build in some exercises as well as the foundational knowledge Mm. and let's really master those and then build up and layer up Mm. from them and yeah I, I I'm 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 a big believer that we need to move away from a big download of information and then going and kind of trying to cope on your own after that and take it all in mm. to that more yes. bite-sized and yes. uh, iterative form of learning. Yeah. And that's the beauty of games, isn't it? They build. There's yeah. the suspense and there's a sense of achievement when you've hit that level that you've been yeah. on for such a long time. So it's there's that sense of achievement isn't necessarily an assessment or a tick box that or like but it could be you know you get more stars or you get more you know yes. weapons or you know assets that yeah. that you've been looking and working for um yeah. so I think that fun and that play is is really important isn't it mm. Mm. in the digital yeah. world of learning yeah yeah because it's much I guess it's much easier to to disengage online if it's not got your interest at the same time yeah. learning how to build that engagement in and that openness and that sharing and yeah and, and a kind of a more general a general point or, or a general outlook on I guess maybe to you Claire to the digital and creative industries and um, I guess this is I wonder how people take because people have taken up new creative things online and offline um, and they found new ways of filling their days up you know because we've all been in lockdown uh, do you think how what sort of impact do you think that will have you know we've got um will it be positive will it be negative we can taking into consideration that many festivals and big other creative um where there's more density of people they have been cancelled mm-hmm. and this more kind of um individual creative outlet seems to have grown how, what do you think of that like, how does that well I think I think it's great that creativity, like if you give people more time and space, then their creativity and that energy is freed up. So I certainly know that, you know, I'm not commuting for two hours a day. So suddenly, and I'm not going to use that time to to work more. So it's like, I think people have kind of been um able to grow into those spaces and and be creative but also creativity is is a fantastic distraction so if you're feeling anxious if you're feeling like out of control that there's you know pressure in the world that you can't you can't fix or you can't um 
yeah, control or manage, then what you can manage is is how getting lost in something, getting lost in a book, getting lost in uh, writing poetry or or um, reading or you know creating painting. So I think that's that's been a positive from it. And we might see different ways of um, content being released. Uh, so I, I featured, um, we've got a summer programme running at the moment, and I featured um, an online music festival where everybody uh, kind of shows up and it's it's a very, started as a local thing, but then obviously people can can digest that and drop in and, and appreciate it. So we might see more kind of guerrilla style um sort of digestion of that content um and people kind of a, a bit like when youtube started you know everybody started to become the tv presenter yes you know what's next for us is you know that's very well established now and it's kind of you know 10 years we've had people who have been building their own followings and their own channels um and developing that content but out of that out of this there might be a whole new wave of of content mm-hmm. and sort of empowering within that creativity that they can do it um yeah so it could be good i i still think and i i'm i still think that there's we're, we're missing when we get together face to face and physically um is we can't um we can't deny the power of that mm-hmm. So, and I think in an office environment, you know, there's, I keep calling it the art of happenstance, you know, you happen upon a conversation or a nugget of information or even just personal connections about someone's life. And we need to find that. And so we, yeah, so that that can't be replaced really online, I don't think. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. Helen, I guess, um, what do you well i suppose helen and claire you know the, the as these as these um societal shifts take place in our behaviors and do, do you think do you feel that you you know the areas need to be better supported and funded and researched to make us better at this and and if if you do have you got notions of where identifying those areas that would warrant some significant further research Mm, yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, I, I think we do need help adapting to this new remote working or um, work from anywhere point of view. Um, I see I see a lot of bonuses and benefits to it. And, you know, I like what you were saying, Claire, I think mm. as festivals move online, I think how wonderful that people from anywhere can now access that festival. I think, you know, that's so mm. powerful now. So from a cultural point of view, I think it opens up so many different avenues. Um, and I think, yeah, definitely remote working with, with creative teams is, is going to be interesting moving forward because you know, yeah. this is probably going to be maintained for a while um, or it might come in cycles. And having that creative dialogue remotely where normally you brainstorm and we normally put things all over the walls and it's very tactile and yeah. we we play games together to, to research mechanics and things like that well we can't really do that as easily now um so certainly i think there's going to be new paradigms about how you create together but mm. apart um yeah so it's, it's going to be interesting yeah yeah and do you think that sorry uh, do you think this priorities like obviously you're already working with the NHS Mm. and that's I'm assuming kind of centrally funded or is that like 
at a trust level, like like an NHS trust level. Um, you know, so it's it's almost it's like how we get how we use this as a springboard for best practice across mm -hmm. the sectors that most need it. Um, so I don't know whether there's yeah, any I, kind of. Yeah, yeah. I mean, within the NHS, there are innovation bodies and academic health science networks that drive the innovation. Um, so that that's who we're working with directly. Um, and they have a remit to share innovation throughout their network. Yeah. They, that's why they exist. And mm. um, and yeah, absolutely. As, as we're, we're all finding our way through, you know, if we can share it and learn from, from what each other's doing, because we're all learning at this point in time. There's some further along than others, but sorry, I didn't catch that. Oh, just that, we're, that there's certainly a significant period of learning. You know, the, the amount of learning that's taken place here across society is huge, you know, and and it's, it, it really is. It's a time where actually if you're not learning and creating the new way forward, you, you, you've got to be, you have to be because the old way has gone. And, and Absolutely. you know, had conversations um, over the last 10 weeks and and we've seen a real divide with, with businesses where where some are just waiting for the old world to come back yeah and they're not willing to make any decisions until that happens and then the others are are, are preparing and thinking trying to almost um covid proof their businesses and, and their strategies and hr and um and yeah i do worry about people waiting for the old world to come back because I, I do think this is a fundamental shift with how we work and um, right at the start of, of the pandemic there was a historian on the radio and I don't remember who he was but um, his words stuck with me that he thinks that uh, history will be remembered pre-covid and post-covid and, and, and the ways that we work and live will be very different mm. and you know I hope it's not as dramatic as that sounds, but I certainly think there has been a fundamental shift, certainly with remote working. I think now the majority of the population can work remotely. We can learn remotely. Um, we we can't ignore that going forward. Yeah. You know, I think, um, yeah, the genie's out of the bottle, so to speak. <laughs> What's your view on, like, from your clients that are, covid proofing their businesses are they mm -hmm. thinking you know we might be in this sort of transition or recovery for five years ten years like what's their sort of view on on the future of work yeah we're certainly seeing a three to five year projection mm -hmm. now um and strategies being put in place uh some businesses have taken the decision to move everything online oh. uh, which is quite you know quite a big step um yes. and I but I do believe the face-to-face -face element is still very important uh, I think there's there's some things you you find it difficult to replicate online and one of the reasons why we're finding zoom and teams so tiring if you're on it a lot is is you know you've got to pay much more attention to body language because you can only see a much smaller proportion of the person yeah. and you lose eye contact because the camera is set higher than the screen. And so we don't have as many cues. And so that's why one it, it, it's, it's more tiring than a face-to-face -face meeting. Mm. And so 
you know, for for a coach, for example, for someone who spends their day coaching people, it, it's much harder for them to do it remotely. It's possible, you know, Teams yes. and Zoom is, is is great, but um, but I think that 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 magic happens when you get together. Yeah. Well, I mean, when we when we guys spoke a couple of weeks ago, the announcement had just been made that schools were opening back up. Um, and we discussed it at the time and I'm just nosy I just want to know what, who am I speaking to have your children gone back and um, are they with you how's it going how's life at home with the kids yeah so we've kept Toby at home um, mm. at the moment um, we read through the scientific advice and saw that the, the the likelihood of infection would be lower in a week or two um, and so we made the decision to just keep him at home for just that little bit longer Mm. Um, and you know but at the same time I recognize it's a completely personal decision for everybody and there's no right answer is there really no you've got to do what yeah so so she's in a very small school anyway Mm. um so and the year one and reception is a merged class so there's only nine of them so we took the the view that that was Mm you know we'll we'll try it so she's yeah. she's gone back um and it's it's five five and a half weeks so mm. i'm kind of of the view that we sort of open up gently you know um yeah. and and then close down for seven weeks of the of the summer yeah. and then in september open up again um so that's our view um and and yeah, I think the school reassured us that that they're doing everything that they possibly can. So it's it's one of those. But I think if there was 60 in her year group and it would have been a different um, conversation. Yeah. yeah, in Toby's year group, there are 90. That's so it. It's, um, it's, it's, it's such a the transition from, you know, from finding our way forward. It's, yeah. It kind of was more straightforward when we're all in lockdown, but that mm. transition coming out—that's that—that's where the rub seems to happen, and it's just so—it's yeah. so—it's so difficult to know, you know, what what way forward is the right way forward, when to take it, when to make those decisions. So, that's yeah, right. just, yeah. just being nosy. That was all I was just. Yeah. <laughs> I think, you know, as long as the schools are flexible and I'm very glad that we can carry on homeworking and and in homeschooling and, and, you know, we're in a very fortunate position where we can do that. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, I think, yeah, take it day by day and we'll see what happens. Yeah. 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 Well, well, may I thank you both very much for sharing these insights. And for me, they're enormously useful. They help steer our educational programmes, our educational practice. And for our current students, they provide excellent insight for their research. And for the wider Warwick community, the insights are are so valuable to hear. So thank you both very much. If anybody listening to this would like to hear more from Helen or from Claire, drop me a line or I'm sure you can just go and have a wee Google and you'll find them soon enough. I'm on Warwick's website and if you're watching this on YouTube, follow the link on the closing slide. This series is also available as a podcast. Just search Insights Over Lunch on your preferred listening platform. Helen, Claire, uh, thank you very much and bon appétit. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.